Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It's time to grab a cup of coffee or tea, sit back, relax, and let's chat about what is happening up in the stars above for the weekend. Yay, it's Friday. So happy. This has been a week. Oh, my God, you guys. <clears throat> I knew that when the nodes moved into the gate 51 and 57, that there was probably going to be a whole host of stuff that came up for me and for other people. And yes, indeed, that is exactly what happened, at least for this week. It started on Sunday when I discovered I have another brother. Shock! Actually, it's a shock, but it was one that was not to be, it was not unexpected. But then as the week wore on, I started discovering things like perhaps my dad wasn't a Miller. That was my maiden last name, Miller. Perhaps he wasn't a Miller. His birth certificate says it is, but there are no DNA matches between me and any Miller above him, except my grandmother. Nothing above, and there should be, right? Because other Millers that are related to this one same Miller have uh, their DNA done, and we don't match, which means we are not related. Ooh, so there, there's that. And then yesterday, I'm shopping and found out my sister fell and broke her hip. I mean, it is one long train of stuff happening like that. And I guarantee it's happening to other people too. Don't get disturbed by it. It is shaking us up for sure, but it is also like clarifying things, right? Things are being clarified. Oh, hello, Pia and Colin are here. Uh, I was wondering where you guys were. Good morning and welcome to Living Astrology. It's good to see you both. Good morning. Good we're morning. living in the land of perpetual thunderstorms and internet connections. So <laughs> a little delayed, but we're here. And I'm so happy to see you. What we just tuned into about unprecedented things just coming out of the woodwork, absolutely. It's, we, it's happening wholesale to yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do tell. Good stuff? No. No. Are you kidding? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, oh. I think the only goodness is in recognizing that we are not alone, that yes. other people are experiencing similar shocks, awakenings, challenges, opportunities. All kinds of things. So actually, yes, we did have one good thing. I was invited to an international conference to speak in England this coming August about Pleiadian Earth Energy Astrology. So one good surprise. Woohoo! Counterbalanced by multiple things that went in the wrong direction. <laughs> but the good thing is we're still here. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I feel like that Elton John song. I'm still standing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And, and, you know, I, I, I know this will continue because the node doesn't move off of the gate 51 in your human design until May. And there's a lot of time between now and May <laughs> for other surprises and shocks. And, you know, it, it's just, it feels endemic. Like um, everybody, my daughter's uh, husband's dad, so her father-in-law had uh, a heart episode and is now suddenly on hospice care. Shock, right? He's been going along doing just fine. And then boom, that happens. And I, I hear all kinds of things from people right now about the different ways in which they're being awakened. That's the key. In some respects, we're being awakened. Now, literally, the shocks that I'm experiencing in my own life don't necessarily seem to be happening to me so much as I'm experiencing them through other members of the family. So thankful for that. I'm not immune to it, obviously. At some point, you know, I could be shocked myself. Um, but I feel like it is all right and perfect. I mean, I found out my friend Cornelia, and you know Cornelia, her mom's house burned down. And that she lives not far from my own daughter. And they had watched the fire out windows of their second story. They didn't realize whose house it was. Wow. Just stuff. So I guess we're learning to be at peace, even in the midst of chaos. Well said. 
Well said. Even if it's hard. <laughs> it's definitely not easy. Um, well, nobody, nobody guaranteed us that even though Pluto was going to make this enormous change, that it would cause everything to be simply better or okay or perfect. Perfect. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think part of what you're talking about and what I'm sure everybody listening is thinking about, about all these things that are happening. I think it is about a wake up call. I think yeah. it is about, we haven't reached the really smooth road yet. It's still a rocky road. And maybe in a way, this is a really good thing that at the beginning of this Pluto change, we weren't completely given a, a, a free ticket that, <laughs> that, would, that would make us think that, oh, everything's going to be okay now. Everything's going to run smoothly. Maybe this, as you said, is completely on purpose and giving <laughs> I us- I think it is. <laughs> giving, giving us the opportunity to just flow through it. And I think it's a test for when our feet are put to the fire and we're standing there with flames all around us, can we stand in the middle of the flames while all the negativity that's been part of our lives through trauma and misinformation and everything else is burned away? Can yep. we stand there until we are burned to our pure essence and be the loving beings that we are? That's the test. I guess we'll see. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I guarantee that some people out there are, you know, entertaining shocks that aren't, aren't of the pleasant kind, like mostly, um, you know, designed to create a pathway to letting go of the old, right? Because mm -hmm. some people are so caught in the old paradigm and just stuck like glue in it. And these kinds of things that happen, you know, any kinds of things, accidents, falls, my sister falling, my finding another brother. These are things that shake you out of a stuck place and, you know, forward your uh, evolution. So while they're not all going to be pleasant, oof, that we know, uh, there's a higher purpose behind them. I think that's what you were saying. Now, I want to go back to the beginning of this particular 13-day uh, week that we're in because it was one transcending now, it was mm -hmm. back on the 8th. Now, how does that fit into the theme, uh, Pia, that we've been talking about here? I think it's perfect. I think it, the universe <laughs> throws everything to us to say, can you transcend this? Okay, good job. Now, can you transcend this? And we just keep getting those cosmic pushes to move towards growth. Yeah. So I think it's perfect. And it leads right up to the next 13-day period, which we start on the 21st, just three days before the full moon. We start on the 21st into catalyzing, which is all about, can we actually catalyze positive change? Yeah. You know, we've been transcending one thing after another, after another, without any clear view of where we're going. And sometimes only an instinctual response to how we're dealing with the catastrophes at our feet. Catalyzing is all about, okay, now can you put it into action? All the things you've been <laughs> transcending or working to transcend, can you catalyze yourself to make a different and better world? So yep. interesting. And so I interesting. To something, Janet, from your perspective, mm -hmm. through myriad newsletters that I get from various people, I have found several references to a, pick, a particular period called the dangerous window or something like they use different names for it that started on the 12th of February and goes through the 16th, which is today, woohoo, it's over. And from those particular perspectives, it talks about how challenges will increase from the 12th through the 16th, which in our experience has absolutely been the truth. <laughs> I think it's the same. Do you know anything about this particular period you can share light? Yeah, absolutely. I, I probably would not have characterized it like that because I think mm -hmm. that sets us all up for like fear or worry. Um, but what it was about is the, the planet Mars moving into Aquarius and right into the arms of Pluto. So Mars wow. is a very uh, powerful planet that catalyzes conflict and confrontation and can sometimes be impulsive, rash, 
right? Things happening when you least expect it. And guess what else happens with Mars in, in, in a conjunction to Pluto? Falls, accidents, uh, things like wars that start or people mm. dying like at the hands like at this morning that the Russian guy, Navalny, Navalny uh, died in prison. And there's this whole thing about, well, what's that all about? Was he poisoned? Was he not? And uh, it, I think there's a lot going on with Mars in Aquarius to begin with, but then you put him in conjunction with Pluto, who he is very comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And you have the potential for a lot of change being catalyzed, a lot of upheaval, let's call it, mm-hmm. uh, a volcano in uh, Japan yesterday um, mm-hmm. or this morning, things like that, that, you know, no one said this volcano was thinking about erupting and then suddenly it's erupting. So Mars, Pluto, Aquarius. <laughs> we had we had two tornadoes on the island where we live in the Mediterranean. Is that common? First never, time in history. Never. First oh time my goodness. Devastated an entire section of the second largest city on the island. Businesses down, streets closed for days. Flooding, flooding unprecedented, unprecedented flooding. Unprecedented flooding. The rain has been just nonstop. We've had rain every day without stop for at least three weeks, maybe going towards a month. This and is this not after that devastating fire you had last summer. That's right. This is not the season for rain right now. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. Well, guess what else I heard yesterday? So years and years ago, I read a book by Whitley Strieber, um, and it was about the coming global superstorm. That is what the title, I think, of the book was about. And And it was a fictional book, but based on facts, right? Some facts that could happen with global warming, that the um, one of the uh, Atlantic Ocean's conveyor belts that brings cooler um, or yeah, cooler water up from the deep to the, the surface and warms it, which gives Europe its warmer climate. Uh, otherwise, it could be in the ice age still because uh, of the way that it's placed on the planet. And now, and you know, at the time that book came out, you should have heard the science blowback, right? They're all like, mm-hmm. oh, that is BS. It would never happen. Well, fast forward, I think that was like in the late 80s or early 90s. So fast forward 30 years. And what do we got? Science now showing that that current is slowing down. Mm -hmm. And if that current stops, which it's heading that direction, another ice age. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to watch how all of that is playing out. And of course, don't go into fear about it. Because like, if we're going into an ice age, it's not going to happen overnight, or at least I would hope not. But (laughs) <laughs> it does lead us to these kinds of upheavals that you're experiencing. We've had probably one of the warmest winters on record, except for today where it's 30 degrees outside right now. But um, our rain is all going to California <laughs> and obviously to you. <laughs> and it's just kind of strange, right? We had this whole hullabaloo about an El Nino that's now fizzled. Like it was going to be the strongest El Nino ever and blah, blah, blah. And now it isn't. And now they're talking about La Nina, like quietly talking about La Nina. I'm like, oh, my gosh, things are just so disrupted. That is, um, I think, the key. And part of this, I think, is the Earth's own and the cosmic's influences that are just part of nature. Mm -hmm. But I also think that there is a big disruptor going on to distract us from deeper, darker things that are at play. So manipulating our weather and make us, making us focus on weather incidents or tragedies or whatever they are, that's distracting us from the ongoing thing to try to get us all digitalized so we can be monitored more, controlled better, made more into slaves. That's, that's the WEF's biggest push right now. WEF? World Economic Forum. W-E-F. Oh, E-F. WEF. Gotcha. World Economic Forum, where they just got out of their yearly meeting and have published their agenda of what they intend to do, of which the latest thing of the latest publication states, we're going to make sure that we can digitalize everyone so that we can control them better. That's the short version. (sighs) 
this stream, yeah this jet this jet stream theory or idea which i think is absolutely correct i think it's happened on and off for millions of years oh yeah it it go it it wells up down near the caribbean and then goes up to the uk and western europe correct 300 to 400 years ago the uk and ireland were grape growing countries they were making wine in those countries as a regular part of their their agricultural situation uh-huh the uk and ireland haven't been that temperate in several hundred years to be able to grow grapes it just doesn't happen there so i think what we're seeing now is going to bring us back to that stage where it does get warmer it cools off it gets warmer and it has absolutely nothing to do with car exhaust or or cow exhaust it it <laughs> has to do, it has to do with much larger historical weather events i mean it it's there it, are it's, big cycles like that big cycles yeah. of time where yep. the weather changes or where you know major um changes occur within the planet i mean she's a living being as well so her cycles are our cycles on a smaller basis. So I totally agree. Um, But I also know that the choices we've made are contributing to an overall impact. And I think part of that is we're being asked to choose something a better way, a better way, a more sustainable way, or at least we're aware and conscious of the um, opportunity to do things in a better, more sustainable way. And then, of course, we have the choice, right? We can do it or we don't have to do it. It's up to us. <laughs> Literally up to us. And now you see when Mars moved into Aquarius, which was just on the 12th itself, um, we had an, a whole a plethora of planets already in Aquarius. Like the sun has been there, is there. Mercury was there. Mars then moves in there. And today, and Pluto, of course, Pluto's there. And today Venus moves in there. So we ha- it's not like we should be hearing the clarion call of the future and looking at um, what we actually intend on doing with things like AI and with um, the WEF plan, right? Because the people have the power when it's Aquarius. Mm-hmm. The power's in grassroots movements, in communities coming together. Uh, that's where the true power is. So sometimes I think in order for us as humans to take back our power, we need to see where someone or someones are abusing their power and how it will impact us. Don't you think? We've yes. got to be shaken awake. Yep, yep. We have a friend here who who kind of loosely has an organization about helping people to wake up and about the the dangers of certain things that are being invented. And he printed a whole bunch of t-shirts that on the front says, we, the people, and on the back, it says, have the power. And that's exactly what you just said. I mean, verbatim. And that that is exactly it. It's the truth. And all it takes is for people to look at things and use their hearts and their minds and make decisions. Is this a good thing? Is this going to help everybody? Or is this only going to help people who are going to make a profit from this? And I have to go back always to someone who pretended, and I really mean pretended, to bring the idea that we have to go green with everything. And that was Al Gore, bless his little heart. Al Gore, 20 years ago, started the biggest propaganda thing going about, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. And it didn't help the earth at all. All it helped was CEOs of big corporations make more money. It didn't really make a difference to help green the environment. Well, largely because they hid some of the sources of the greatest polluters. Well, yeah. of course, that was all part of the plan. But right, because it was an inconvenient truth. That was that the you name. Just, <laughs> you, just pulled, you just pulled up the title of his movie, and that's exactly yeah. right. And people, I mean, I don't like to be a name caller because people get knocked off the air when they do this. But 
I'll be a little risky here. Um, <laughs> you can tell that Pluto's not in Capricorn anymore. Colin. <laughs> <laughs> um, Elon, Elon Musk, who, who invented the Tesla cars, telling people that it was going to revolutionize the the automotive industry and that going all electric would answer all the problems about pollution. Well, guess what? It's been announced in the last few months that the batteries that, that his company designed are backfiring. They're not working the way they were supposed to work. And we know people who own one, two, three Tesla cars and say, I am so glad I'll never have to go to the gas pump again. I'm so glad I'm all electric. And what what they have purchased for very expensive cars probably aren't really going to work the way they were advertised. And that's the kind of false greening that we have to be really careful about, about watching out for people and companies that say, this is the new answer. This is the new way. We're really going to revolutionize stopping pollution. Well, it's really going to make money for a few people and it's not really going to change the the yeah. environment. And on on top of that. So you're you're cleaning up the air so to speak by not fossil using fossil fuels. But what goes into those batteries in those cars? And what that, do we do with those batteries when those batteries die mm-hmm. is going to be the next big issue because there are toxic things in those batteries. That's that, another inconvenient truth. That, that, right, right. that is that is the the supreme underlying lie about electric car batteries. Not only will they be hard to recycle, they won't be recyclable because they'd be too toxic. Mm-hmm. But making them, the actual industry of making them, is more toxic than owning a diesel or a gasoline vehicle. It the stuff they put in those batteries is almost like nuclear junk. And it's incredible. P and I got in on the hybrid situation years, 10, 12, 15 years ago. We we bought two hybrid cars that were half gas, half electric. I think that was yeah. more like almost 20 years ago. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Like well, when they we, were first new? <laughs> yeah. And we thought we were doing a good thing. And then we did a little bit of research and we realized that the batteries were really not a good idea. And we pretty quickly got rid of those cars. And the more research we did, the more we realized that that whole industry is fake. It's, it's, not, it's not really to help Gaia. It's really a money-making scheme for very few people. And it's so devastating to the planet what they do to get the the ingredients, if you will, for those batteries. I mean, it's not it's an easy process. They're literally strip mining and they're blowing things up and they're, and then, you know, that is, uh, yeah, it's not sustainable. So we traded one unsustainable thing for <laughs> another unsustainable thing. But it, it, to your point, there's there's problems with the whole thing, right? The batteries and all of that. And it feels kind of icky that we're, you know, being told that uh, we're doing something good for the planet by, you know, moving toward electrical uh, or electricity cars or uh, battery operated cars. But in the grand scheme of things, it is waking people up to the uh, idea or ideal of sustainability and how mm-hmm. can we create sustainability? I mean, we're, we recognize the, the yuck coming out of the tailpipes of the gas powered vehicles is not helping our planet. It's not healthy. And so we go to the batteries because we think, well, electric is much better. And yeah, on one end of the spectrum, it is right. There's not as much yuck coming out of the tailpipes, <laughs> But we create another monster, which is so typical of humans, right? We fix something and then, oh, no, it's broke, right? <laughs> it's not what we thought it was. And then we'll do something else and we'll do something else. But it's all in the, in the I guess you could say it's all in the name of evolution. And not that one is better than the other. It's just kind of how are we learning as we go along here? Yeah, yeah. It. It shouldn't dissuade us from trying new ideas and new, exactly. new systems. 
the the hydrogen model of a of a car engine is way better than electric because the only thing that comes out of a hydrogen powered car the only thing that comes out of the tailpipe is water that's it that's the only that's the only unused part of how hydrogen is used to propel a vehicle as it's and plentiful it's it's easy it's easy but apparently it's not as profitable as other oh sure things yeah i i just saw a comment flash by here by someone it was my my brother-in-law teddy says railroads are testing hydrogen locomotives in canada right now that is just excellent yeah rather than diesel um some other comments tom raping multiple hectares of land and child labor are required to make the batteries uh, LS says not a fan of Musk at all. Good morning to all of you, by the way, out there. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't get to say that yet, but good morning to all of you and thank you for being here this morning. Um, Pauline says she just learned Cyprus Island is Aphrodite represented. It's the birthplace of Venus. Venus, yeah. Cyprus is um, the birthplace of Venus or Aphrodite, yes. There's a, there's a rock. Uh, about a hundred yards off of the coast near us called Aphrodite's Rock. And it is, it is mythologically, historically said that, that is where she came from the ocean to ah. dry land. And it's a very famous place. I mean, probably millions of people a year come here to visit that rock. It's to visit a, the birthplace of Venus. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And you guys live right there. We do. We do. Yeah. And we have, and we, have, we do. And we have a theory that she was probably a mermaid who, oh, yeah. who metamorphized for some unknown reason into a land human, came ashore, and then started probably a mystery school or a some sort of, of educational situation here. Perhaps. Good stuff, right? Um, some astrology stuff now, just for everybody who's listening. Um, and I, who knows where we go next from here? It's always so much fun with you two. Um, today, this morning at 7.02 my time. So I don't know what time that would have been uh, where you are. But 7.02 a.m., the moon moved into the void. And that means that, you know, for a few hours here, she's just wandering around, right? She's not really making any new, she's not literally wandering. Oh, that would be funny to see the moon just kind of wandering in a circle in the sky, uh, but she's not doing that. Energetically, however, she takes on this sort of wandering characteristic uh, from 7.02 a.m. until 11.40 a.m., and she's wandering around at the tail end of Taurus. When I pulled the chart this morning, she was at 27 degrees of Taurus, and uh, that is kind of where she she probably has landed uh, until we get to 11.40 when she will move into Gemini. So as we look at the weekend ahead, it seems to be a weekend for communicating, for teaching, for learning, uh, for entertaining siblings or neighbors or your friends. It seems like it might be a pretty good weekend for that. And I think the moon is in Gemini all the way until later in the evening on Sunday when she moves on into Cancer. So I just wanted to let people know that because when the moon is in the void, it's hard to get things accomplished. Like this morning, I made sure I had everything I wanted to say um, prepared before 7 a.m because I knew the moon was going to go into the void, and so would my mind, right? <laughs> Wandering around. Uh, so I wanted to make sure everybody was aware of that. And then I wanted to talk a little bit about Venus's move into Aquarius, since, of course, we were just talking about Venus, uh, Aphrodite. I think one's Roman and the other one is Greek. I'm not mm -hmm. sure which one is which here, but Aphrodite, Venus, they're the same archetype. Uh, I was having a conversation with someone the other day who was rejecting archetypes, but yet as humans, we are all here playing out an archetype and all our characters from fiction, uh, from real life, they are also archetypes and archetypes are just roles that, 
you know, that we see the mother, the role of mother is an archetype. The role of um, astrologer is an archetype of perhaps the communicator, right? So we have archetypes that are just kind of these models. Well, the archetype of Venus or Venus uh, archetypally is about love and about our values and how we, um, how we live those values out loud in the world, right? How we uh, show up. And when Venus moves into Aquarius, it's a call for us to become more of our unique selves, if that makes sense. So, you know, if you're a wild girl, then be the wild girl that you're meant to be. Um, if you're the studious type, then be the studious type you were meant to be, because that's where your values lie. It, the problems in our lives often come up when we're trying to force ourselves into a role or into a pattern or into someone else's values. Thank you, Janet. You've just given me permission to be who I am. My <laughs> right? Venus is Aquarius. You have Venus and Aquarius. Be the wild woman. I do believe I wrote that for you even. Yes, you, you did. did. Somewhere you did. along the line, I said, let that yep. wild woman come out. Oh, and it up. always... It's there. It's there. <laughs> Um, and now, of course, as she's adding her energy to Aquarius for a few days, we have a lot of planets in Aquarius. So that mm -hmm. Aquarian energy is really powerful as an archetype for everyone at this point in time, right? And uh, as I, I was thinking about Venus in Aquarius, one of the, the things that I thought about is... Um, and there's also the black moon Lilith I want to talk about a little bit too, but um, there, there's this, can I say a role? Uh, what is the, there's a word that uh, a stereotype, there we go, of how we all adhere in some respects to a stereotype and usually artificially implanted in us by our parents or by our society, by the institutions we hang out with, the education system, um, et cetera, churches, um, religious, that whole thing, right? Governments, et cetera. And here with Venus in Aquarius, we may feel very much more attracted to the unconventional um, and or eccentric, right? And that might mean people or ideas that are totally different uh, than ones that we have taken on before. And then kind of going along with that, we may experience, we as each individual may experience a shift in our values and our preferences, maybe seeking more freedom, Aquarius loves freedom, and more independence uh, in our relationships. So this transit can be really inspirational. All of the planets in some way that are moving through Aquarius are inspirational in some way um, for us to express our individuality and uh, our creativity in new ways, right? New ways, new action. Um, and as well, we may also find ourselves sort of being called to help humanitarian causes or progressive movements because Aquarius is a sign of progress. It's a sign of the forward momentum moving forward. Remember I said it was power to the people and I love that shirt where it says, you know, that kind of um, both sides of this shirt you were talking about, Colin, um, because literally a lot, remember Pia in the beginning here, you were talking about how um, different, you know, movements and so forth out there, they're trying to take our power away mm -hmm. or dumb us down so that we don't realize how much power we really have. And not that I say that everybody needs to go out and find a new movement, but <laughs> align with something that your heart is really invested in. If you're really invested in feeding children, then that's where you should be investing your time and your effort and your dollars. And you know, find the people that are supportive of the same things that you are supportive of. That's where our true power lies, right? So that, you know, adding Venus to this is a, a call from your inner value self, let's call it, uh, to really live out loud what your inner values are. And if they're a mismatch, right, if you're, you're what you say you value or what you in, from internally say you value and you're not living those values, then that is where disruption, I think, really hits us the hardest in mm -hmm. this kind of case. 
Now, of course, Venus, just like Mars, is going to run right into Pluto. And that will happen tomorrow, literally, in uh, terms of, of what day that happens. And when this happens, we're, we're taking the sign or the planet of love and beauty and values and finances, too, as well, and adding that, aligning her with the planet of transformation, death and rebirth and power, all in the sign of innovation and freedom. Right. So you, you get like these are archetypal energies. Right. Power is an archetypal energy. And that means that it can bring intense, possibly changes, um, unexpected changes, because Aquarius is ruled by Uranus. That is unexpected change. Right. Unexpectedness. And that could be unexpected change in your finances, in your relationships, uh, in your values, in your creativity, maybe getting more creative, being less afraid of being your true, authentic creator self. Um, and as well, it's such a positive aspect here that it can also reveal to you, if you're open and you're listening and you're tapping in, uh, to what your hidden desires might be, or your secrets, or your obsessions, or the needs that need to be addressed and released. I'm finding this happening quite a bit with people um, being very obsessive about things, about control, right? Controlling something. And of course, that's just an invitation from the universe to show you where you really are not in control. Right, <laughs> where you're focusing your energies in the wrong place. So it'll be interesting to see how all of this plays out. Now it's positive. I mean, even even some of the dire changes that happen or the surprises that happen can have positive outcomes because the positive of this transit is really the experience of a deeper level of intimacy, perhaps of being uh, more able to call your power into your own life, um, the visionary, artistic, creative energy being more expressed, more social, po positive social movements that can arise during these kinds of times. But there's also the negative, there's always, right, it's polar, we're in a, a dual world, so there can be some positive and negative aspects. And it can be where things like jealousy, manipulation, power struggles, betrayal, guilt, shame, um, that they can trigger some destructive behaviors within us or impulses that can harm us or others, our, our relationships. So to make the most of this time of Venus in Aquarius in the arms of Pluto, the great transformer, it's important to be honest with yourself and with your people around you, your family, your friends, your coworkers. Be flexible and open-minded. It's not a time to shut down the mind. And be it's advisable to avoid extremism, right? I would, I would avoid making an ultimatum to somebody or um, obsessions that you have with someone. Instead, just find a balance between freedom and commitment. Um, between individuality and collaboration, perhaps, um, from change and stability. That is my advice with almost any planet that would be moving through Aquarius and coming into connection with Pluto. But I think especially so with Venus, she has a gentling effect on this, where we can gently maybe discover an obsession that we are engaged in, or in a power struggle that we are engaged in. And then just choose to release it. And after all, today, Pia is nine healing. Yes. Nine harmony and healing energy to heal whatever's coming up. Absolutely. I love it. I think that works really well together. So it's an important um, hallmark of the times that we're in. Now, every year Venus moves through um, Aquarius. So does Mars every two years move through Aquarius and Mercury every 88 days is moving through Aquarius. The sun every year is moving through Aquarius. So it's not that that's new so much as the preponderance of planets that are there at the same time and how they're all sort of handshaking with Pluto as they move through 
that sign. That's the key, right? That's the big news is that they are all, you know, maybe agreeing to go through the process of change of elevating their, their energies and as above, so below, right? You are the below, we are the below. So we're taking in that same potential and being asked to do the same thing, to elevate our values with Venus, to elevate our actions with Mars, to elevate how we communicate with Mercury or how we think with Mercury and how we express ourselves with the sun. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful pattern to see. When when we find we're in adverse situations, what we were talking about at the beginning of this discussion about things happening to us or around us, I think one of the things we have to always remember is everything is transitory. What you just explained about the different planets moving, the diff- things changing. Well, everything changes. And yeah. that that sense of everything being transitory can help get us through the tough times, realizing that this isn't going to be forever. This is something that's happening right now. We need to face it. We need to live within it. However, it is going to move into something else. And I think that is what can really help people understand that it's it's not always going to be as adverse or as challenging in the way it is in that moment. And linked to that, and also linked to what you were talking about, about Black Moon Lilith. In the latest book that I just wrote, which is Mary Magdalene's story, uh, Mary Magdalene's daughter, the story of Sarah, I spent a whole portion talking about Lilith and the archetype of Lilith. (laughs) Lilith It's representative of chaos because Everything is born of chaos. Change comes from chaos. So without that Lilith energy, we're we're static, we're stuck, we're not moving forward. And how the difference between in the Garden of Eden myth, Eve, which stands for even, no change, safe, you know, grounded in, <laughs> in, in what is and holding on to it for dear life, versus Lilith, wild woman, chaotic, moving <laughs> forth. That's where the Christian myth fell apart and decided to cut it here and only tell this part and leave the other part out there in fantasy world. So we have to incorporate both in the divine feminine. Absolutely. And that's so interesting. And you know what's so funny is that I got that book a long time ago. When you first when it first came out, I got an email or something from you, and I've yet to read it. So now you just gave me my weekend project. Yes, <laughs> book. Good. I love it. I I really um, I really love that story. How you characterize that because you know the Christian religion on one hand made women the fall guy, the fall woman, Mm -hmm. right? You know everything is well the snake too, but you know it's all our fault. We made Adam eat the whatever. Um, (laughs) and as, as a way to kind of disempower the feminine. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a disempowering story that is. What a mm-hmm. way to put a woman in their place. And then there's Lilith. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. But Lilith. then there's Lilith who refuses to go down with that ship, right? She's yeah. like, bleep, no, that's not what I'm going to do, right? She's going to go and have sex with whoever she wants to, to live her life out loud, being the wild and crazy woman that she is, right? The exact opposite of the other, you know, coy one. But what I, I, I was talking about with the Black Moon Lilith is that today, as a matter of fact, she is in an absolute conjunction with what we call the vertex of uh, a chart. And I wanted to talk about that because, you know, it's newer to me to think about the vertex. I mean, I've always put it on my charts for people. But I've never really looked at it as something that would be some worth chatting about. Okay, so follow me along here. So I looked this up today because I'm really interested in why now the transiting Black Moon Lilith, what does that mean? Right? I want to know. And I find out that, you know, that Lilith, of course, I already know the shadow, the dark and mysterious aspect of 
the feminine, um, the point of destiny in terms of, you know, how we can embody uh, all of our feminine traits, right? So this particular transit bringing these two things together can be a huge transformation and healing and empowerment, especially in the areas of work, service, and health, because this is happening in the sign of Virgo. And Virgo is the sign of where we, you know, heal or are healed, um, or where we are serving in an altruistic or um, uh, humanitarian sort of way, uh, where we share of our gifts and our talents, but also where we seek perfection. And I noticed with a couple of clients this week, this theme of perfection coming up right? I'm not perfect, or I need to be perfect, or everything needs to be perfect before I take the next step. And I'm wondering if this is like where this has been coming from. Um, she, Lilith herself represents the part of you that's been repressed, mm -hmm. or rejected, or hidden. Um, it's maybe hidden aspects of yourself that you felt like um, might be considered taboo, shameful, uh, unacceptable by society standards, um, or even yourself rejecting, you know, that more uh, taboo side of yourself. And the vertex uh, is a sensitive point in the chart. And it indicates when another planet is coming along, in this case, uh, Lilith isn't the planet here, she's actually a, a derived point, but doesn't matter because she's sitting on top of this vertex. And it represents then that significant events or turning points in our lives are totally available to us and are likely beyond our control. And then you add to that this energy of, of uh, shock that's happening with the North Node sitting at the gate 51 in human design called the gate of shock. And now we can maybe get a glimpse as to why <laughs> some things are happening to us or around us. And if we are taking note of something, we have to address it within ourselves. We have to reflect on what it is that that means for us, right? Doing the inner work for ourselves. Now, remember, Virgo is the sign also of discernment, um, improvement, perfecting, purifying, analyzing, criticizing, right? So when Lilith is conjunct the vertex in Virgo, we may face a crisis or a challenge that forces us to confront our shadow. It's almost like, Pia, I swear to God, I was going to ask you this morning if we were in a shadow period already, <laughs> because it sure is feeling like it, right? It does it feel does. like it, yes, but no, we don't hit the collective shadow until April, although I'm certain somebody that's listening and watching is in their own personal shadow cycle right now. Perhaps, perhaps, yes. <laughs> so anyway, all of this is to say that this transit can trigger a powerful um, transformation in our personal lives as it relates to our own personal shadows, where maybe we analyze ourselves to death or uh, way, maybe where we don't analyze anything. We just go along thinking everything's fine. Um, so it's an interesting catalyst for personal growth for all of us, um, for liberation. I always think of liberation here too, when we have Lilith connecting with something like what's being brought up and out that I've held deep inside that I didn't want to express. Um, but it can also represent our coming face to face with a source of fear or guilt, maybe shame, resentment that we've been holding on to. And the choice is up to us as individuals, whether we want to heal that, release that, or keep holding on to it, right? I would suggest that with the Black Moon, Lilith and Virgo conjunct the um, vertex, it's probably time to let it go. But wait, there's more. Pluto, I mean, sorry, not Pluto. Gosh, this, she could be the feminine Pluto. Um, the Black Moon Lilith and the conjunction to the vertex is in a quincunx, a challenge. It's also called an inconjunct to the conjunction of Chiron and the North Node. Now, Chiron being the wounded healer, North Node representing our collective destiny and a quincunx 
means that we have to sacrifice the old so that we can move on to the new. That we have to let go and let God in order to go forward. I, I would say what you just said encapsulates basically everything we've talked about today. Real, realizing that what, what is standing in our way, the, the things that we think are challenges, the things we think are adversities, simply using them as opportunities to get rid of the old, to move into the new, be willing to either be curious or courageous enough to move into something that may not be that comfortable for us, but shows us a completely different face than what we've been used to or what we've been <laughs> stuck in and not facing. Right. And remember that Chiron and in this case, the North Node, they're both in Aries in that conjunction. And Aries is the wound of identity, the wound of the self. So while you may not have your own natal Chiron in the sign of Aries, the fact that it's transiting through here and has been for a while and will continue for another couple of years, we're all being asked to really identify who we truly are and bring out our true identity. With the North Node transiting here, of course, that's big news. It's like, an open invitation to come and party and do things in a new way. But we keep getting caught up in the stuckness of it all too. And that, that can be a problem, right? If we're resistant to change. Um, I mean, it's been an interesting week for me, even just beyond just the things that I heard about, just the, in, un, the underlying things that are changing within me as I, you know, openly and open-mindedly look at myself clearly, you know, and I consider that as an invitation for all of us to move through these things that have caught us up, right, that are holding us back, maybe, causing us pain. If it's causing you pain, there's something there that you need to address. What is that? Be willing to dive into it and let it go. Because this, like, how often do we have these things that come along that help us clear out? It's like we're clearing out the karmic slate. I like, I like that, even though it's not fun. Always it's not fun. Sometimes <laughs> it is fun, but not always. <laughs> Sometimes it's, you know, dreadful as you come face to face with something. Um, anyway. So let me get off my soapbox there for a minute and talk a little bit about something else that I'm passionate about at this moment. And that is, if we don't do our inner work, like if we don't do all the things that we need to do to change ourselves or to move through these things that are happening in our lives with as much peace as possible, it doesn't leave room for us to live for our passions or to live from our passions. And this week in human design, the sun has been sitting at the gate 30, which is called the gate of desire. And it's where we have this emotional connection to mot be motivated to pursue our goals and our dreams, um, but also can be such a source of frustration and disappointment if our desires go unfulfilled. And I, so this is kind of characterizing a part of what I've been experiencing this week. I, my own natal Mars sits at this gate too. So I'm like, oh, now that's why this is coming up. So what we need to uh, recognize here is that we're going to have experiences that are emotionally high and emotionally low. And depending on how well we are aligned with our feelings and what does that mean? And are we, you know, because emotions are really an invitation for us to move in a new direction if it's something that we don't like. Like if we're depressed or if we're angry or upset or frustrated, that's emotion is telling us that we're moving in the wrong direction, that we need to move in a different direction. We have to change what our focus is in our minds even in order to, you know, see what is a better way to go. So we can benefit this week uh, by learning to balance our passion with patience, right? I tend to be, I want it all to happen today. And why isn't it happening today? Why not? Right. <laughs> that's, 
the power of the gate 30, right? That passion, that desire, just driving you, wanting that to happen now. But it's timing, right? Things happen in its own timing. We have to trust and surrender to the process, to the timing, right? Now, while the sun is dredging up our passion and the things that we love and our desires, the earth is also at a gate that is about commitment and perseverance. It's a very um, determined uh, sort of energy. And it's one that causes us to say yes and commit our energies to things. Now, ideally, there's nothing wrong with saying yes, but we have to say yes to the right things. And herein lies the problem, right? If you are impatient or, um, you know, wanting so badly to express your desire, you might commit your energy to things that are not correct for you. It's really easy in this week. So we have to know when to say no. We have to know when to say, I'll wait. We have to know when it's right to say yes. And that's this energy this week. So it's activated in everybody's human design. So no matter what you have sitting there, now you have the sun and earth at those two gates. If you had nothing there, then this might even be bigger for you because you're experiencing this energy of passion and drive, uh, wanting to say yes and commit, but maybe also the, on the negative side, finding yourself overcommitted. That's the danger. We say yes to too many things. It's not the right things. And then when the right and perfect thing comes along, you don't have the time. You don't have the energy. You don't have the space. And now I'm frustrated. Now I'm resentful. Now I'm half-heartedly committed to anything else that came before it. I'm looking for ways to get out of it. So it's a week to be very careful of that kind of energy. So be... Be very circumspect in what you say yes to this week. Boom. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> what about you two? What's going on in uh, Pleiadian Earth energy world? Mostly just watching the dissolution of energetic definitions of what we have always looked at. <laughs> this means this, and this means this, and this oh. means that. Larkma has always told us that all systems are meant to be transcended, all of them. We just have to get the good out of them and understanding from them first. And I think what we're beginning to see is how to utilize the system with flexibility. Mm. You know, take this nine healing energy today and know what's coming tomorrow and carry it into tomorrow, saying we're going to need a little bit of harmony and healing tomorrow. So we're going to intend through our thought processes and our energy to carry that healing energy with us when we have this conjunction tomorrow. Just being able to be flexible with it and utilize it more. Yeah, it's I think important. That's a big part of the lesson right now. Yeah, it's pretty huge. Now tomorrow is ten seeing. Mm -hmm. I love that energy. Well, 10 means either challenge if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing manifestation <laughs> if you're on the right track. So if you're on the right track, you're able to manifest more easily. If you're stuck, if you're angry, if you're depressed, all those things you just named, then you're in the challenge portion and you need to yeah. regroup and figure out it's not about what's going on out there. It's about what we need to do in here. And that's what the 10 energy brings us is that dualistic perspective to do either. Seeing, of course, is very, very good at seeing the details, but sometimes misses the big picture. It's kind of getting lost in the trees and can't see there is a forest. It's, it's the kind <laughs> of needing to know to go beyond the details to get yes. the whole picture. So I love, I love 10 seeing like you do. I think it's a great energy. And it yep. comes from the West. And Western energies always bring a breath of inspiration, a breath from the dream realms, a breath from the other realms that we don't deal with every day. There you guys have it. Be inspired. Yeah. Deeply mm -hmm. breathe in the energy of inspiration. Yeah. But I, I also want to add one thing in closing here today, perhaps, is that so many times when we have a lot of transits happening like like, I mean, I could have gone on to more, right? Sun's moving into Pisces on Sunday. We could have talked about that. Um, 
because that represents another big transformation in our energy. Um, sometimes it feels like, like maybe we don't have choices, right? That these things are happening to us. And I want to disavow you of that right now because you all have free will and choice. And sometimes it may be, we don't have a choice that these planets are coming into connection with Pluto. I don't have a choice that my sister fell and broke a hip and has to have a surgery. I don't have that choice, except about how I'm going to respond to it. Right. So I don't want anybody thinking that you're victims of these circumstances called change uh, or Pluto conjunct Venus or Venus conjunct Pluto, Mars conjunct Pluto, because you're not. You're not a victim of anything. It's about how you choose to move through that energy. Your choice. You always have the choice. Right. Absolutely. This is the planet yeah. of choice. It's That's about correct. it's it's about not not just responding rather than reacting. It's about choosing a different perspective, choosing a different attitude. We we can be given things that we we surely do not want. However, looking through it, if we change the perspective of what does it really mean? What what is the meaning behind this activity or this occurrence? That is where the free will really comes in handy because yep. we can look at it and say, oh, okay, I see that this isn't as devastating as I thought because this thing that just happened is going to cause me to do something else. And that something else might be the ticket for a completely new discovery. Yeah. So remain open-minded. I hear that. That's what you're saying. Don't think that just because something happened that your life is over or that you can't, you know, have what you want or that, you know, any of the things that, that people think. And uh, don't be limited by lack. Please don't be limited by lack. I don't have enough, whether that's friendships, romance in your life, money, whatever it is, don't be limited by lack. Because if you're limited by lack, you're stuck and there's no open window for what may come through it. Absolutely. Wise words. Thank you. Um, now, one last thing, uh, everyone that's listening. Uh, next week, of course, I am doing the webinar on prenatal solar and lunar eclipses. And only one person has requested a chart for that webinar so far, even though there are several of you out there who have uh, purchased the webinar. So I wanted to show you if you think you have the correct astrology chart or not. So uh, this is uh, what you are going to look for. Do you see that? Uh, let's see, come in, focus, please. Uh, right there in this chart, you see it says Sol Eclipse. That If you have something like that, you have the right chart. On the other hand, down here, it will say, or somewhere on your chart, it will say LU eclipse ecl if you have that in your chart that is the correct chart if you do not have it then you need to request one from me so that while we're talking about this next week you have the correct chart in front of you okay just wanted to say that pia did you bring your cards out actually we don't have them they're not available at the moment Can we <laughs> well use mine one? are <laughs> mine are hold on there we go so I'm going to pull from Pia's deck. And if you all have not yet got this, you can order it, I'm assuming, from the uh, PiaOrlean.com or Larkma.com website. It is the Pleiadian Wisdom Pleiadian Wisdom card. Actually, you can order it from any bookstore also. And Ooh. it's also on Amazon. Ooh That's awesome. Makes it a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Right? You can get it anywhere. Although I think it's better for you if they bought from your website, right? Or does it matter? Books, yes. The card deck, no. The card deck is not sold by us on the website. It's only sold through um, New Leaf Distributors and Amazon. Awesome. Well, this is the card that I pulled. 11, Manifestation Thoughts. Choose your thoughts well. Whether you believe it or not, they always create your reality. Such a pretty card. Those bright colors. Beautiful, beautiful. So let's see what this has and you could certainly tell us from your perspective. Well, while you're looking up the meaning in the book, I think it's pretty interesting that it's talking about 
what we were talking about coming in tomorrow with the manifestation. I think it's right synchronistically on target the way those cards always work. They always do. It's lovely. All right. So this says every second of every day, you are in the process of creating your own reality through every thought you put out into the world. The mind will always keep you in a loop of worry or planning if you do not manage your thoughts consciously. Thoughts are energy. Energy creates everything in your reality. So it is essential to focus upon what you are thinking and how you are thinking it. Keep your thoughts in the higher vibrational range, which is connected to all the potentials and possibilities in the universe. Thoughts that are focused upon discomfort or suffering are in the lower vibrational range and will cause you to unintentionally and subconsciously manifest something negative that you do not want or continue to manifest the same discomfort you are experiencing. It is ultimately important to keep your thoughts always in the higher frequency range so that you manifest what you wish rather than subconsciously manifesting something through a vibration of complaining or perceived lack. Be in higher frequencies with conscious intentions and thoughts to manifest a more fulfilling life and better world. And then, of course, the energy 11 is illumination which says when you keep your thoughts in the higher vibratory range, all of the light that you are shines out, which makes it possible to manifest the highest good for all. Let's do it, right? This is a good week. We covered everything we talked about. I think it's a pretty appropriate choice for today's discussion. Right. Yes. It literally popped out of the deck and I almost dropped the rest of the deck on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was in such a hurry to come out and tell us about itself. Uh, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Pia and Colin, again, always such a pleasure. It looks to me as if we'll be back together again on March 15th. Uh, because yep. this month has 29 days. March doesn't line up exactly like it does uh, other times. So uh, we'll see you that third week of March. Take care, everybody. Blessings to you all. See you on Monday. Bye. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Do you wish you could better understand yourself and what is going on in the world? Well, grab your cup of coffee or tea and join the podcast Living Astrology with Janet Hickox for astrology, human design, and Gene Keys wisdom. Mondays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Podcasts are available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and your other favorite outlets.